This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 KYNO. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors because we really want to educate the public as far as real uh, real estate and what are some good strategies, What what's the real news, what's the real stats. Real estate has always been plagued by the fear of what's coming. You know, higher interest rates are coming, a crash is coming, whatever. Um, but it's not always local and it doesn't always happen. The, the true benefit of the Fresno Association of Realtors is we have over 4,000 members. And so we get to have a different guest every week. We have a, a lively guest today, Lindsay Capaletti of Remax Gold and of Absolute Appraisals Service. Yep. So good Hello. morning. Good morning. All right. So I've known you a long yep. time. I've known you as a realtor. I've known you as an appraiser, mm-hmm. as an appraiser's assistant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you did a really interesting appraisal for me. I'm sure you're going to remember. It was a historic home on Huntington, Huntington Boulevard. That that was quite a task. It was. It was a task. Didn't that have a, a basement? It as had well? a basement. Yep. Remember the elevator? The elevator was my favorite part of that home. That I believe. I can either confirm or deny uh, that I rode the elevator up and down. You did. <laughs> Just for fun. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> the fifth time you rode it, though, I had to tell right. you that's enough. You got to stop. It. Get out. <laughs> I'm done. All right. So um, what got you interested in real estate and appraisals? Gosh, that's a great qu- great question, right? Um, <clears throat> well... Uh, I actually, I grew up in the building industry. Um, my grandparents owned an insulation company here in town. And as a little girl, I was always out at construction sites. And um, then uh, I ended up going to Fresno State uh, on a track scholarship, was studying interior design, uh, really enjoyed that. Um, and ended up, uh, life happened, I got married, had my now oldest, who's 20, uh, and while I uh, was pregnant with her, I decided to uh, to go uh, into real estate and get my real estate license and started studying for that and passed my exam back in 2003. Um, and uh, gosh, I'm great, so grateful I did. I've, I've really enjoyed so many different avenues now um, in real estate, but really, um, just I—I I don't know if that sounds weird, but I actually like just love homes, and so there's always that desire uh, to see the inside of homes and and things like that and how people live. Um, and uh, initially, it was to try and uh, pick a career that had a flexible schedule. Don. Uh, where I thought, you know, oh gosh, I can, you know, make great money and have flexible time and meet lots of wonderful people. And uh, 
any realtor who's uh, doing a decent amount of business and uh, offering their clients true good service uh, would tell you probably that they do not have <laughs> much free time. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so, anyways, um, but uh, it's been a it's been a good good career choice so far thus yeah. far. And you mentioned in there your love of homes, which yeah. is very important. But um, I've known you well enough to know this too that you have a love for people and you enjoy people and making them laugh. And um, uh, so that adds to it. A good realtor has to have the home and the, the client's heart sure. together and put them together. Absolutely. Got to be passionate about what you do and passionate about the people you're working with, right? Yeah. And I'm excited to have you here today because of the experience you have as an appraiser also. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've often said the last two years that appraisers have one of the toughest jobs in the industry right now because prices have been sure. on the move. And being able to come up with an appraised value that, that uh, makes the investor happy Right. The, the investor being the, the lender who's going to loan the money because right. um, they don't want to go overboard. But yet the clients are sure hoping it comes in at, at value. Right. So how how do you price a home in today's market? Well, that's a great question. Uh, from and an that's because I don't know myself. <laughs> <laughs> from, from an appraisal standpoint, right? Um, the first uh, important thing is when you're saying, you know, an appraiser, how do you, we have a hard job and how do we just come up with, uh, you know, the value and trying to make clients happy and things like that. Um, well, the appraiser's main role is to always remain objective and unbiased. So uh, most importantly, obviously, you hope that the service you're offering the client is is making them happy, but the value uh, you know, that's the non-emotional part of what we do. Um, and, and that's the other aspect. Um, we don't determine value, right? The market does. Um, and so what we do is look at the market and analyze that data, right? So pricing a home in today's market is uh, a lot more difficult uh, because of our limited inventory. So if we're limited in inventory uh, as far as availability, then we're limited in inventory uh, in the way of availability of closed comparables uh, to choose from. And uh, it gets, you know, it gets tricky. Um, typically, people think there's, you know, parameters uh, that we try to stay within, you know, in order to uh, make a good appraisal, you know. Um, don't go outside of a mile search uh don't go past six months, things like that. Um, but realistically, what we're doing is trying to find the most similar and like comparable properties. And uh, again, we don't know where that may lay in the market to tell us, you know, the data that we need. Um, so pricing a home right now, though, with this interest rate shift is uh, also uh, a hard one. What I'm seeing in the market right now is, you know, a few months back, we were still hearing about uh, these crazy high offer, you, you know, over asking offers, 40, 50, 60,000. 
uh, down when we, you know, the interest rate was 2%. And uh, the buyer, you know, buyers had the ability to leverage over because they were qualified at a certain amount. And then they could, you know, buy a a lower uh, listed priced home and leverage over that to try and get the offer accepted. And now um, what we're seeing is, you know, short, uh, maybe a little bit over asking, not as many offers all at once. And so uh, with my sellers, I'm, I'm highly encouraging, you know, that list price has to be just right right now in order to uh, to accomplish the goal of a timely sale for the most amount of money. So when you say they were highly leveraged or, or, or that they could um, bid over because they are actually getting the bank to pay for it, here's an interesting statistic okay. or number. Yeah. Uh, and that is at 3% interest, if you bid an extra $10,000, it was only $42 a month. Sure. That's not much. At 6%, it's an extra $60 for that extra $10,000. Starts increasing. Now, here's the little joke in this. <laughs> Lindsay was making fun of me earlier before <laughs> the show because I still have oh, a, an appointment book. Yes. Uh, rather than a Google calendar, which I have <laughs> one of those too. But this is my planner. go-to. But I want you to know that <laughs> Here's one. This mortgage rate table is one of the um, oh, that's tools awesome. that I have in okay. here. So I was able to come up with numbers really quickly uh, because I do carry a book. There you go. <laughs> the day planner is helpful. It does have a lot of stuff in there. That's good. Right. Yeah. And if I ever forget my name, I have it written in here. That too is always, always helpful. Uh, how many, how many points does that score on the SAT these days? I don't know. <laughs> Quite a few. So uh, let me go to, uh, rather than from an appraisal standpoint, because mm-hmm. you're you're a realtor, mm-hmm. uh, you list and you sell properties. Yep. Let's say somebody wants to list their home with you. Okay. How do you price that? How do you come up with a pricing strategy? Sure. Um, so ultimately, I'm looking at the comparables of closed sales, right? The appraisal value. Uh, to me, does matter, right, as a listing agent, um, because I don't want to put my sellers in a situation of accepting an offer, right, that wouldn't appraise if that buyer was using financing. And so uh, trying to find that true fair market value of, you know, in this case, as a realtor, you know, what is the most amount, what's the uh, the value that I can give the homeowner, I am confident, right, I can sell that home for. And that is a combination of what has closed in the area that's like the home, uh, but also as well as what's the competition, right? What uh, This is where the available homes are relevant and they do matter. Um, and trying to do what I call is the hairbrush concept, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I go over this with all my sellers know this. Uh, it's my Walmart hairbrush uh, concept. But Don, if, if you and I were shopping right now, right, and we go to an aisle and we see a hairbrush on a shelf, there's two of them, same hairbrush, same color, brand, packaging, and one is $2.99 and the other one happens to have like this orange clearance sticker on it, you know, of $2. And everybody, 
you know, the human brain's always going to want the good deal, right? They're going to grab the $2 orange sticker brush. So they're going to grab the brush. And here's the cool part about what our, our real estate market does when you're priced correctly and you have the appearance of the good deal. Uh, most people are going to grab the brush. They're going to do some shopping, right? And they're going to get up to the register. And all of a sudden, the cashier is going to tell them, oh, gosh, you know, that that's an error. It's not on clearance. It's not $2. In fact, this one's three nineteen. Most people won't walk back to get the two ninety nine brush that was still sitting there. That was actually the better deal. Now, uh, they will just pay the three nineteen at the register and be happy with their purchase, because in their mind, they're the ones that got the two dollar hairbrush, even though they paid three nineteen. Mm-hmm. Right? Everybody wants the uh, the idea of hey, we got a good deal on our house. Right. And I would sure hope that, especially for an owner-occupant, somebody living in the home, I would hope that they're not focused on the good deal. They're focused on a good home. So hopefully that's in a good location. It's in the right size, the right fit for their family. Sure. You you would hope so, Don, right? I remember the first house I bought. Um, my friends were giving me a bad time cause I paid too much. Right. I bought at the top of the market. Mm-hmm. Um, well that four bedroom home <laughs> that I bought for $44,000 is probably now worth 400,000 right. and it's over by Herndon and Cedar. Yep. So, um, time will do a lot for, for real estate. Oh, um, but more importantly, uh, it was a good home and it fit its needs at the time. Right. I think that's the trouble, a uh, little bit of the trouble with this market, right, is uh, we we do have a lot of emotional buyers because uh, that's a very difficult process to walk through uh, wanting a home, being qualified to be able to purchase a home, uh, taking the discipline to save and get to that point and then, you know, nothing there's there's no uh, homes available, right? So you got to fight for one. And um, so I think that's an aspect right now I see happening a lot is where uh, I hear buyers come in and their needs slowly start to shift and change as they get discouraged if they don't get an offer accepted or we can't find exactly what it is they're looking for. Um, but yeah, you, you would hope that... Uh, that what a, a buyer is offering for a home is they're offering right because it meets their needs and there's not a lot of emotions going on. Right. So in shopping for a home, mm-hmm. I think you have to have the right blend of emotion and logic. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. We do have to go to our first commercial break and boy, you just, you, you made it, <laughs> Lindsay. <laughs> um, But when we get back, I've got a lot of questions for you. Like, how do appraisers go? How how do they make adjustments for condition, for square footage uh, and location? Well, that's going to be like Christmas morning coming back. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio 940 KYNO. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. 
Here in the studio with us, we have Lindsay Capaletti, who has a dual role. Yes. She she owns a, a Absolute Appraisal Services. Absolute Appraisal Group. Oh, group. Or group of appraisals. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and is also a real estate agent for Remax Gold here yep. in Clovis. Yes. And I think that gives you an interesting perspective because one thing I have found in my 44 years in this business, mm -hmm. and uh, excuse me, 46. Ooh. Yeah. And I bet you didn't know this. I appraised for the VA for about eight or nine oh, years. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, for the Northern California, Nevada chapter. Yeah. And um, so anyway, I've seen there's a, certainly a difference in the way an appraiser thinks sure. and the way a realtor thinks. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Don't laugh. Um, <laughs> although that was a pretty obvious statement, huh? And, yeah, yeah. And all my appraiser friends out there are rolling their eyes right, right now. Right, Um, But so I'm going to ask you how you look at certain things. When you're comparing two properties, mm -hmm. let's just go to square footage first. Sure. So let's say one home is 2,000 square feet and another home is 1,800 square feet. How, how do you make an adjustment for that? So uh, usually what we're doing is, our, first of all, our, our adjustment amounts uh, – uh, are coming through, you know, for our paired sales analysis are usually typical across the board. Um, you know, what is our market area uh, warrant for an adjustment? An adjustment is uh, for a, um, a noticeable difference, right? That's what the adjustment is. I, I like that term, a noticeable, because right. if it was 20 square feet difference, <laughs> that's not noticeable. Right. So square footage um, is a tricky one. Usually, uh, so we're taking um, a price per square foot, not the, the max price per square foot, right, of a property. Um, but uh, that could be $50 a square foot difference, right? So $100, it depends on where the market is, right? Um, and so that $200 or 200 square feet is uh, multiplied by 50 a square foot and thus you've got a hundred you know adjustment there yeah um so the, yeah the adjustments uh are a tricky one to try and uh explain for people a lot of the times uh we'll have a homeowner you know who calls upset and says uh you know you didn't give our ceiling fan or brand new flooring uh or new paint any any value well that because they don't see it have a number in there per se, um, but maybe what it did was help elevate the condition rating, right? So um, it put it in a different grouping, a different rating, and to be compared against other like homes that also had new flooring or paint or ceiling fans, right? So let's take that condition rating and let me ask you the question this sure. way. So you're going to be pricing property A, uh, and you have found a good comparable, and that's property sure. B. They're the same in almost every way, sure. except that property A has a superior condition. Sure. P new paint, newer flooring, things like that. Right. 
what kind of an adjustment? I mean, should property A sell for more than property B? Uh, if the market says it should, right? Yeah. Um, and and usually it, it will, right? And if the market does show that, then we would do a uh, adjustment for the condition difference. Um, again, depending on what market or neighborhood or area it may be in, uh, condition adjustment could be anywhere five thousand, twenty thousand. You just you it it depends on the uh, the property. Right, and conditions a tough one because there are so many. It depends and it varies because you can have something with brand new paint, mm-hmm. but you have another one that has a totally remodeled kitchen. Sure. Yeah. So I I can see that. Yeah. Here's one of the best ones I I heard from an appraiser. All right. I said, hey, the, <laughs> long time ago, this is before I learned my, all my lessons. <laughs> I just like the way you said it. I said, hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So I said to the appraiser, hey, hey, you, yep. um, this house, the, the seller just spent $2,000 oh. to repaint the house. Right. And um, I think, you know, so we were looking for like a $2,000 sure. adjustment. Well, who wouldn't, right? right. I loved his answer. He goes, okay, but he goes, I have to take $1,500 off for the old paint that's no longer there that had value to it. Right. <laughs> so, or, and, and I guess paint's not a great example of that, but let's say uh, um, the ceiling fan that you mentioned. Right. All right, that's a $500 ceiling sure, fan, yeah. but it did, re, you, you took out a $300 one. Right to put in a 500 so it's not going to be a dollar for dollar right exactly um cost uh, does not you know our value does not always equal cost right um and again that's why i say the market determines that right the market would determine how much uh buyers willing to pay for a house with a ceiling fan right the uh the receipt for the ceiling fan doesn't determine that the person coming to purchase the home, uh, if they're willing to pay more or less for a home. Um, and, and that's, and that's kind of how that one works. Um, in asking about realtors, uh, and how uh, I'll keep my hat on too that as a realtor, right? How realtors, uh, look at, uh, value versus, you know, appraisers, um, I think the important factor, again, is uh, that the realtor is uh, probably also an emotionally involved party, right? Uh, I tend to be that way on, sometimes. Right. Uh, you know, there's a, they're advocating for clients, right? There is a representation there. And so appraisers are really like the third-party neutral, non-advocator, uh, unbiased, objective analyzer right so i get calls all the time though from realtors just to give you an idea of the different perceptions between a realtor and an appraiser i get countless calls uh from realtor friends hey Lindsay, uh you know i got a problem i got an appraisal issue you know oh sure what's you know well what's the issue oh gosh i i had a low appraisal whoa whoa, 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 you know, I'll just stop you there. You know, is it possible your contract price is high? Well, what do you mean? Well, I never thought about it that way. You know, it's just let's throw the appraiser under the bus every time, right? They 
they don't know what they're doing with these years of training, <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, what is a, a, a very well-built type of apprenticeship program. Uh, and so there's uh, a difference in time spent and uh, there's a difference between the actual definition of fair market value for a realtor and an appraiser, right? For a realtor, yeah. uh, our fair market value is top dollar. What's the highest amount we can possibly get for our clients as an appraiser? Uh, fair market value is not what is the highest possible outcome, but what is the most probable outcome that if the home were to go on the market, it could sell for X amount, right? Um, so uh, that's why we use three closed sales in all appraisals, mm -hmm. minimum. Can you factor in active listings? Uh, sure, we, we absolutely use them in appraisal reports. They play a, a vital role in showing us what the active real estate market is currently doing. Um, however, in, in the way of like value reconciliation, uh, only closed historical data creates value. Okay. Right. And I can see that. I um, recently had a sale where I knew that an inferior home had sold for three ten, uh -huh. and um, so I thought our buyer did really well at three oh five. Sure. Come to find out that three ten home didn't didn't make the appraisal cut. Right. And it ended up selling for two ninety eight. Oh wow! So yeah. that actually impacted sure. the value there sure. so uh, if we had just gone off of pending information right. and you're probably wondering how did i get pending how did i know the sale price it's on a pending listing hey communication hey hey bada yeah. bing bada boom you <laughs> sometimes you talk to the other agents you've got sometimes a spordino and a capoletti in here yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right but um yeah so so that makes a difference now now let me go back to i talked about square footage condition how about time adjustments great question we're we're uh we're currently using them uh in our office when warranted right um so if we know we're in an increasing market uh time adjustments uh meaning i i am appraising a home and I have a really, really good comparable, right? But, uh, you know, model match down the street. And uh, it closed five months ago. Well, you know, if I look at the data of what our market increased in the last five months, um, I can take a percentage and um, put that in and adjust uh, per month uh, the correct time adjustment uh, to bring it up to speed as if it were a current sale, right, is what it's what a time adjustment is there for. Is there a standard time adjustment? It, it, I'm asking this because what I have seen is no standard. I, I okay. saw one appraisal being done without any sure. time adjustments. I had another person, another appraiser on a different home, kind of gave $1,000 a month. Sure. Um, and then I saw another person that was giving 1% a month. Right. That's because there's 
There is no across-the-board requirement or set standard. Again, it's just whatever the market uh, says uh, that adjustment should be. And we should have um, the third-party data to, you know, research and data to support whatever time adjustment we're giving, right? So we should have some kind of statistic to prove, hey, our market did increase this much, and that's why we did that time adjustment in the cases where uh, those appraisers were or were not. Um, I don't know what the uh, conditions of that appraisal assignment were. Um, And so there could be a lot of reasons also why we would not use uh, a time adjustment um, if it's not relevant. You know, you might not need to if all the comps are current or close enough to, right? Um, I think that matters as well. All right. It is time for our next commercial break, but stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio because I have a whole lot more questions about what's my home worth? What? How how do I value it? So stay tuned. Thank you. The bright, blessed day, the dogs say goodnight, and I think to myself, what a wonderful Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and we are in a wonderful world where we get to work with people that buy homes and and sell homes, and and a home is something that is part of their wonderful world, and we get to be such a huge part of that. Uh, And you mentioned in the last segment about how realtors get emotional. Uh, You know, we we do. Yeah, they're family. Okay, being you're also an appraiser, I got to tell you this okay. one. A few months ago, I had one where the appraisal came in very low. Says you. Yeah. Okay. And <laughs> I was representing the buyer. Okay. And I'm walking around the house at night telling my wife, he's ripping the American dream away from these people. Right. I mean, I got emotional. See? I, yeah. Okay. Uh, but they are now living in that home. Right. Yeah, we worked it out. We worked it out. It was meant to be. Yeah, that's right. So, speaking of that, now, I, I'm going to ask you some more questions on value. Okay. Um, uh, it, so, we got two houses, and let's even say they're right next door to one another. So, they have the same location value, basically the same size. Okay. But one's a four-bedroom, um, four the other's a three-bedroom. Mm-hmm. What's a typical adjustment? How, how much more valuable is that fourth bedroom? Well, basically, we would look at the market, right? What is the three-bedroom homes and the four-bedroom homes in that area going for? And we would, through paired sales analysis, right, we would uh, find out what that fourth bedroom is worth. What is a buyer willing to pay for the extra bedroom? And that is how the adjustment amount is uh, determined, right? So uh, it, again, just depends. It could be anywhere from 3000 to 10000 It depends on the market, the area, the subject, or the home that you're appraising, uh, and the appraiser's discretion and judgment and geographic competence. <laughs> so... That's the answer I expected was it depends. depends. And now that's not personal (laughs) to you. 
<laughs> that is the nature of an appraisal. Well, because I think that that is, that is where it gets blurred and confused is people think appraisers are controllers and gatekeepers, right, of what a home is worth. And that's, that's not the truth. Um, we are not that powerful, right? We analyze market data. We look at uh, what your neighborhood, right, says about a home in the way of statistics and data. And then we use that to put a, a value on a home. Um, and so that's why you always get the, you know, there is no set standard adjustment amount or things like that in certain questions um, because we are not the ones who, uh, although we put our opinion on there, uh, we're not the creators of the data either. It, it just is what it is, you mm -hmm. know. Um, and it's up to the appraiser to interpret that. So correct. what I'm hearing you say, my simple question of sure. what's that fourth extra fourth bedroom worth it's worth whatever it, somebody's willing to pay for it yeah but also as far as justifying it mathematically as an appraiser has to do sure. kind of depends too on the area maybe four bedrooms right. are right. typical maybe the third the three bedroom home is the not so typical one exactly or exactly. maybe it's in a different neighborhood where um you know, the fourth bedroom is a real plus, so. Right, and then at a certain point, uh, when is there too many or excess bedrooms where they have no more value, right, more so than another home? Uh, so sometimes you might see that, you know, an appraiser gives a fourth or fifth bedroom an adjustment, maybe a fifth bedroom adjustment, but you get to the sixth bedroom and you don't see anything accounted for there. Uh, that's basically the appraiser is kind of saying uh, that the market, the buyer in that market uh, wouldn't pay any extra between a fifth bedroom or a sixth bedroom. There's, you know, the value difference wasn't really there. Okay. Now I have another question. And, and after you answer it, I've got a good story okay. <laughs> to go along with it. Is there much of a difference between an air-conditioned home and a home that has an evaporative cooling. Gosh, that's a wonderful question. And I Wait would not have story. thought it was a wonderful question <laughs> until, uh, until last year. And I, can, I would actually prefer to answer that with my realtor hat on because uh, I had a listing last summer. Uh, it was a home. Uh, one that uh, one of a first in a long time I had had that did not have um, central AC. It had an evap cooler, and I was really curious to see what that value difference was going to be in the open market, uh, if it would make a huge difference or not. And so we listed the home, uh, and at a very what I thought was conservative, you know, by the book appraisal value. And uh, did not see offers immediately like we thought and had anticipated. And we did a price adjustment very quickly. Um, and then uh, got the offers we needed. Uh, but I believe that the lack of the central AC in the middle of a summer sale, right? If uh, we were on market in December, I, I think it would not have played as big of a role right so a, 
those things matter too, right? But in the way of value, uh, again, uh, you would have to find, appraiser would have to find some comparables that also did not have uh, central AC and analyze that against, you know, the closed sales that did and figure out what that difference is and what that uh, lack of AC is really giving or uh, not giving to the home. So, as promised, I told you I had a good story yes, on that. Yes, good story time. So, I have a good friend who's been in the appraisal business for many years, okay. as I've been in the sales business for many years. Um, I remember 30 years ago, okay. him and I had this discussion on the difference in value, and he said there's really not a discernible difference in value between an evaporative cooler and an air conditioner. This is 30 years ago. Sure. So he made, he said at times I might make a $500 adjustment. $500 didn't seem like sure. very much, but in other words, minimal at best. Fast forward 30 years. He said, no, there is a big difference right. now. I go, wait a minute. You told me, he goes, but that was a different time and a different era. Correct. He goes, Every new home being built now has an air conditioner in this area. Right. So that's what people are used to now. So 30 years ago, people were still used to an evaporative cooler. I know I grew up in a home with an evaporative cooler. It was fine. Right. Um, yeah, and for a while there, an air conditioner was a plus. Now it's a must. It's a must here. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where things change. Uh, they work very well. I lived in a home with a evaporative cooler for a few years, and uh, but once you get over like one hundred five, one hundred, yeah. it's it's right. And, and things styles change too. Um, you go back thirty years ago, if you would have had a stainless stainless steel appliances, you were thinking, well. <laughs> Those they better. didn't even finish painting it. Yeah, those need to be banana yellow or puke green, <laughs> <laughs> pumpkin orange. It's called apple green. Apple green. Yeah, okay. or lime green. It's apple green. All right. So um, you mentioned having to make a price adjustment on a listing. So that was, yeah, to account for uh, the lack of central AC. Okay. Uh, but now, your price adjustments, I'm seeing a lot more um, recently. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of suspect that those adjustments are not because the value is going down. No. But it's, it's because the price isn't going as high as sellers were hoping they would. Right. Because um, we've been spoiled for a while, uh, for the last few years, uh, when the interest rate was low. And anybody who thinks... Uh, about selling right now, you know, has the grandiose thoughts in their head uh, that we're still in that seller, crazy seller's market when the interest rate was super duper low. And it's, it's, it's still low, um, still a great interest rate. Um, but when it was, you know, in those 2% uh, range, um, people could pretty much throw a number out there almost if it was close enough right yeah and they would probably get an offer uh now uh 
nowadays is so it's like uh, it's like the guy living in his football glory days, right? That's what homeowners are doing right now. Is uh, football season's over? There, you know, a few years have gone by, uh, but they're still living, you know, in in the what I would call la la land, right? Of these crazy uh, prices and what they can list at. Um, All right, so. Everybody, stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio on 940 KYNO. We're going to a short commercial break, and when we get back, we're going to wrap up this discussion. Wonderful. Thank you. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, and here in the studio... We have a very excited Lindsay Capoletti of Remax Gold, and that song got you going. That yeah, was, was running. what I was hoping for, an upbeat song. Um, what made me think of that song today, Running on Empty, is <laughs> uh, i got to stop and invest more money in a tank gas. of gas. Gas is so expensive. I heard a good one this week. Yes. Somebody said, look, don't complain about paying 100, over $100 for a tank of gas. Mm-hmm. You're just waiting too long to buy gas. Go buy <laughs> gas when you're only half empty. <laughs> this and little. Somehow or another, that logic made some sense to it me. It does. Uh, <laughs> as I keep singing uh, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. The little gas light. Right? Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with that I one. I see that Lizzie. gas light. Come on. What does an appraiser have to do to become an appraiser? Are there, is there a license? Is there yeah. training courses? It is a much different process than uh, you and I went through for, say, our real estate uh, license or a broker's license. Um, so an appraiser, uh, there are four different levels of licenses. You have your trainee license, and you've got an AL license, which is residential. And then the next tier is uh, AR, which is certified residential. And then uh, the uh, granddaddy of all appraisers uh, the, uh, uh, is a um, AG, which is a general appraiser, certified general appraiser. And they can appraise commercial, ag, uh, you name it. If it's real estate, they can appraise it. Um, so... Uh, that license, the highest level of license, does require the bachelor's degree, um, but uh, doesn't matter if you have a degree or not. Everybody has to go through the same uh, training apprenticeship program in the way of work experience. Um, so there are uh, courses you also have to do. Um, coursework can take anywhere from six months to a year and a half to two years. And then uh, currently uh, for the first level of license, uh, it is a thousand hours of supervised training um, with another appraiser licensed uh, and certified it to train. A thousand hours? How Logged. long? Okay, Logged. so if you worked for someone 40 hours a week, that's a long time. Correct. Yeah. So uh, when I did my work experience in logs, uh, it was when it was a higher requirement of 2000. Uh, and then they, uh, we have such low uh, amount of limited license numbers of appraisers. So they uh, cut that in half and to 
the thousand hours. So it's a thousand hours to get the first tier, which is residential. Uh, it is fifteen hundred hours uh, to do certified uh, residential, and I believe it's still three thousand um, hours for uh, general appraiser. All right, so quick math here. Yep. At 40 hours a week to get 1,000 in, it takes 25 weeks. So that, That's half a year. Right. It takes six months, but that's virtually not possible. Uh, it, it is, but it's not likely. Uh, a, you have to find a supervisor willing to train you, and you have to have a supervisor who has enough work <laughs> to give you that much work. Mm, um, so the, the national average... Uh, I think this was before they cut it. It used to take three to four years to do the work experience. Um, and then uh, you have to log all that. You turn that into uh, the here in California. That is the Bureau of Real Estate Appraisers. Um, we go through the same type of background checks and everything. Um, but uh, our, license, uh, our licenses have reciprocity. So uh, they're federal. They go state to state. They are transferable. Okay, now I'm going to light this fire pretty quickly. I'm going to ask you this question. Okay. All right. So why do you need all this training? I thought you could just price it and say, okay, it's a 2,000-square-foot home. Oh, don't do it's it. It's worth $300 a square don't foot. Don't say it. I did. No, don't do it. So so <laughs> many people tend to price per square foot. Oh. What's your opinion on that? And, uh, don't, let's get the fire I mean, trucks how out much here. time do we have don this is my one ultimate pet peeve in life is uh is the people who take uh their home square footage and multiply it by the highest price per square foot in the neighborhood and thus oh, i've got a million dollar home right uh no that is a very very old old way of doing things um Homes are unique, just like the people that live in them. Uh, and that would be like uh, selling a car price per pound, right? We all know that wouldn't work. Uh, I heard that analogy recently on, I think it was a podcast, and I really, that one made sense, right? Uh, yeah. Same with homes. Uh, there's significant differences, and um, that's why we do the adjustments and break down for the differences. Um so, to have more accuracy. And uh, that's always been one of my pet peeves, too, mm -hmm. is people trying to value something at price per square foot. But let me give you the perfect r rationale why that doesn't work. Yeah. Let's take two homes for sale, uh, same square footage. Mm -hmm. The one next door has uh, a large lot, a swimming pool, a new roof, a three-car garage, remodeled kitchen, air conditioning, mm -hmm. whereas the other house has an evaporative cooler, yeah. small yard, uh, an old roof. How do you adjust? For, I mean, these are things that are not included in that price per square foot. So, um, Well, they are if they were broken down, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's the difficult part. But the the... Some people that want a price per square foot don't want to break down. They want that quick, easy formula. Right. Which, by the way, I I know you're going to be mad at me. Selling a I, car price per pound, this is where we all hope we've got the van down by the river, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be the most. I will tell you that I have used price per square foot before. Yeah. 
I'm in the grocery store line. I see somebody and know, hey, Don, I hear values have gone. What's my price? Price, uh, what's the value of my home? Sure. Okay, you, you got 20 seconds to answer. So you, that's the quick one. <laughs> Let's see. Still if not a... recommended. No, right? no, no. Well, I, uh, yeah, never, never. All right. We just have about a minute and a half left. So I want to ask you yes. what do you want our listeners to remember most about today's discussion? Uh, that they are emotionally attached to their home. So what they think that their home is worth uh, should usually use a professional, right? Somebody who's not uh, emotionally attached to the home. Don't do price per square foot. Um, oh, that one. But ultimately, uh, that the investment that they made is a, a wise one, regardless of what our market is doing right now. Um, you know, over a hundred year period in those 20 year cycles, dollar for dollar, real estate is still the best investment, you know, so I uh, can't live in a stock, but you can live in your house at least. Ah, there you go. <laughs> okay. 20 seconds or less. What's your best real estate advice? Ooh, my best real estate advice. Yes. Run hard, turn left. I don't oh. know. It's like my old track thing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, it should have been tune in every Saturday to Welcome Home Radio. <laughs> and with that, we got to get going. But thank you very much to all our listeners. And thank you, Lindsay Capaletti, for thank coming you. in today and filling us full of knowledge. You all take care. Bye.